Welcome to Over in Smith, an H.P. Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. And sometimes there's an audiobook. It's not too racist or boring or both. Uh, today we're on the third part of the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. And with me is is a Zoog. Just a just a little Zoog. Jesse. Uh, hi. Hi, I'm, I'm the I'm the suspicious one that hangs out in the back a little bit. Oh, yeah, real mischievous. Yeah, and, but my mischief is like I, I I take one of your cookies when you're not looking. Oh shit! Oh no! I know, Jesse. I need one of those. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just real mischievous. <laughs> I I, just, I have to say, Zooks is my favorite thing that has come out of this story. I'm so happy. I'm so happy yeah. for the Zooks, Jesse. Yeah, there's the, uh, what was that one? The Nothlith or whatever? Oh, the Vunith? Vunith, the, yeah. The Vunith. Yeah, they, 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 they howl. <laughs> I howl in the night. I eat your zebra. I suck all of his blood. And then it's just like a, a zebra whapper. Yeah. Uh, oh fuck! We're only on the third part of this. Yep. Um, yeah. So as a recap for part two, uh, our protagonist Randolph Carter was about to be sacrificed to Nyarlathotep, but he got saved by a bunch of cats. It and it was really fucking rad. Oh yeah, he went to the moon. <laughs> he too. went to the. Oh yeah. So the the merchants that kidnapped him took him to the dark side of the moon. He's gonna be sacrificed to Nyarlathotep there. Uh, he got saved by the cats of Ulthar, and uh, when he got back, he ended up sailing to Arib, where he, uh, uh, where the mountain is, where he's going to see the face of the gods, so that he can find them easier. Uh, he is traveling. Uh, his <laughs> his uh his zebra got eaten. He had to get a new one. And now he's climbing up the mountain. I think zebras are included in my hatred of horses. Uh, it's really funny that there's a, like, zebras are famously hard to domesticate because they're assholes. Like, I think I'm okay with, like, I think I'm okay with jackass, though. I, I like mules, and I like uh, Mule? donkeys. Oh, uh, no, mules are too big. Donkeys are really cute. Yeah, I think donkeys are okay. Uh, no, mules donkeys- are too big. Donkeys are the only acceptable equine. Well, uh, well, every horse that kicks a cop automatically are also. Oh okay yeah, no, them. they're automatically inducted into the hall. <laughs> also, horses with uh, really good comebacks to assholes—they're also good. Yeah, or you know, horses that make fun of, of people are, are okay with me as well. Sorry, I have to look up if something is a horse or not. I'm okay with antelopes. Nope, it is not a horse. It is a giraffe. I was going to say, oh, copies are pretty cool, but they're considered a member of the giraffe family. So, cool. I feel more sad for giraffes because they have a nerve that will instantly kill them if they get hit to the wrong place <laughs> See, on their neck. this is why copies are the, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the superior giraffe. They also look really cool. Yeah, the thing, the thing about giraffes is that, like, like, if you just, like, the thing that could kill them almost instantly is on the longest part of their body. Yeah. Also, their longest part of a body is just a giant weak spot. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Not fair. Let's say they didn't have a nerve that would kill them instantly if you hit it the wrong way. Not- Let's just say they just had a neck that was really long. Yeah, not not a great not a great design. Not a great design. No. If, if if there is intelligent design, whoever designed them was idiots. Dumb. <laughs> yeah, <Stupid>. checkmate. <laughs> checkmate. Uh, Christians. <laughs> God is dumb. <laughs> checkmate, Christians. What do you say about that? Well, probably that the banana was made per- to fit perfectly to keep it hand. I'm which glad is- I'm not the only person who's seen that video. <laughs> No, Ray Comfort is weirdly enough a comforting <laughs> thing to watch sometimes. Oh my god. I love that video. <laughs> the first time I saw it, nobody else I knew saw it, and they thought like I was completely fucking crazy when I was like, yeah, the banana is perfectly shaped for the human hand. It's the proof that God exists, which is funny because that's not what bananas used to look like. So, um, yeah, that's that's not... That bananas are man-made, so that doesn't really work. <laughs> At least the modern banana is man-made. The yeah. the Cavendish is definitely man-made. Yeah. It has been but selectively bred to be that perfect. The one thing. Uh-huh. Uh oh, did, did you see the Kirk Cameron thing about like what if an alligator decided to be a what so if a duck decided to be an alligator? Oh no. I'm I'm not surprised he said something fucking stupid though. Yeah. Also, he was one of the people who'd be like, "Well, what, if if we evolved for monkeys, why are there still monkeys?" Uh- <laughs> oh my god. Well, I mean, technically, we're closer related to like lemurs, but okay. Yeah. But anyways, semantics. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised at all. Not at all. Yeah. Why? Uh. Uh. How did? Uh. How did dinosaurs evolve with the birds? If birds still exist, checkmate atheists. <laughs> how could how did dinosaurs evolve with the birds? If Jurassic Park, if they look like lizards in Jurassic Park, yeah, checkmate liberals. Take that, Jesse. The ne- next part talks about zoogs again. Ooh, I love zoogs. Zoogs. All right, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadah by H. P. Lovecraft. Part 3. At last, in the fearsome iciness of upper space, he came around fully to the hidden side of Nagarek, and saw in infinite gulfs below him the lesser crags and sterile abysses of lava, which marked the olden wrath of the Great Ones. There was unfolded, too, a vast expanse of country to the south, but it was a desert land without fair fields or cottage chimneys, and seemed to have no ending. No trace of the sea was visible on this side, for Oriab is a great island. Black caverns and odd crevices were still numerous on the sheer vertical cliffs, but none of them was accessible to a climber. The Nile loomed aloft a great beetling mass, which hampered the upward view. Carter was for a moment shaken with doubt, lest it prove impassable. Poised in windy insecurity, miles above Earth, with only space and death on one side, and only slippery walls of rock on the other, he knew for a moment the fear that makes men shun Nagarek's hidden side. He could not turn around, yet the sun was already low. If there were no way aloft, the night would find him, crouching there still, and the dawn would not find him at all. 
Yeah, because like you would just fucking leave at that point. Yeah. You would just go. <laughs> yeah. Why would Why would you stay? <laughs> They'd be like, "Well, that was exciting. Okay, bye." <laughs> yep. I guess. Uh, I I I need to return to videotape. I guess. Well, uh, <laughs> bye. Uh, I left my toaster oven on. Gotta go. But there was a way, and he saw it in due season. Only a very expert dreamer could have used those imperceptible footholds. Yet to Carter, they were sufficient. Surmounting now the outward hanging rock, they found the slope above much easier than that below, since a great glacier's melting had left a generous space with, oh, with loams and ledges. Since the great glacier's melting had left a generous space with loam and ledges. To the left, a precipice dropped straight from unknown heights to unknown depths, with a cave's dark mouth just out of reach above him. Elsewhere, however, the mountain slanted back strongly, and even gave him space to lean and rest. He felt from the chill that he must be near to the snow line, and looked up to see that glittering pinnacles might be shining on that late ruddy sunlight. Truly enough, there was the snow uncounted thousands of feet above, and below it, a great beetling crag, like that he had just climbed, hanging there forever in bold outline, black against the white of the frozen peak. And when he saw that crag, he gasped and cried out aloud, and clutched at the jagged rock in awe, for the titan bulge had not stayed as Earth's dawn had shaped it, but gleamed <laughs> red and stupendous. <laughs> God damn it! I <laughs> <laughs> That titan bulge. Oh. oh, yeah, that bulge is tightening. Mm, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> God damn it. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. Randolph Carter. Oh, my gosh. A titan bulge, you say? Oh, my God. Tell me more. He's <laughs> like, why does everybody tell me to stop at that point? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very erotic area. It's like the undulatingly in um Yeah. And I think it I can't remember which one it was. It's Dagon I wanna Dagon. say. Undulatingly. Yeah. Oh, tell me more about the in inherent eroticism of the CHP. Tell me. For the Titan bulge had not stayed as Earth's dawn had shaped it, but gleamed red and stupendous in the sunset with the carved and polished features of a god. Oh, that's why it was bulging. It's a, it's a, it's a god's bulge. I get it. That's why it's titanous. Yeah, the god's god was just like, whoa. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're gonna make this part real big, okay? It's factual to life, okay? It's definitely not <laughs> me just <laughs> overcompensating. We're just gonna make the bulge real big. <laughs> <laughs> stern and terrible shone that face that the sunset lit with fire how vast it was no mind can ever measure but carter knew at once that man can never have fashioned it it was a god chiseled by the hands of the gods and it looked haughty and majestic upon the seeker rumor had said it was strange and not to be mistaken and carter saw that it was indeed so for those long, narrow eyes and long-lobed ears, and that thin nose and pointed chin, all spoke of a race that is not of men, but of gods. He clung, overawed, in that lofty and perilous eerie, 
even though it was this which he had expected to come and find, for there is in a god's face more of marvel than prediction can tell. And when that face is vaster than a great temple, and seen looking down at sunset in the cryptic silences of that upper world from whom's dark lava it was divinely hewn of old, the marvel is so strong that none may escape it. From whomst? From whomst? <laughs> from whomstesses? It's like my favorite double uh, conjugation. The old of, I and I use that. Too. I love it. It's very good. I mean, it gets the point across. You know what it means, Yaldov. And it is grammatically correct too. Yaldov. It's short. It's simple. I understand what it means. It's usually said in a threatening way. Yaldov never gone up that mountain. Saw that face of the god. Now look at you staring at a bulge for the rest of your life. And they say that. When he saw the bulge, he just like, wow, someone's compensating for something, <laughs> and then something kicked him real hard. <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, Barzai the Wise was saying. He's like, yeah, I saw your statue. Your bulge isn't that big. And then he was just fucking smited. <laughs> just straight up. Just absolutely obliterated. There, too, was the added marvel of recognition. For although he had planned to search all dreamland over for those whose likeness to this face might mark them as God's children, he now knew that he need not do so. Certainly, the great face carven on that mountain was of no strange sort, but the kin of such he had seen often in the taverns of the seaport Telepharis, which lies in Uthnargai, beyond the Ternarian hills, and is ruled over by that king Karanes, whom Carter once knew in waking life. Every year, sailors with such a face came in dark ships from the north to trade their onyx for the carved jade and spun gold and little red singing birds of Celephars. And it was clear that these could be no other than the half-gods he sought. Where they dwelt, there must be the cold waste lie close, and within it unknown Kadath and its onyx castle for the great ones. So to Celephars he must go far distant from the Isle of Oriab, and in such parts as would take him back to Dilathleen, and up the sky to the bridge by Nier, and again into the enchanted wood of the Zoogs, whence the way would bend northward, through the garden lands of Orkonos and gilded spires of Thrawn, where he might find a galleon bound over the Serenarian Sea. But dusk was now thick, and the great carven face looked down, even sterner in shadow. Perched on that ledge, night found the seeker, and in the blackness he might neither go down nor go up, but only stand and cling and shiver in that narrow place till the day came, praying to keep awake lest sleep lose his hold and send him down the dizzy miles of air to the crags and sharp rocks of the accursed valley. The stars came out, but save for them, there was only black nothingness in his eyes. Nothingness leagued with death, against whose beckoning he might do no more than cling to the rocks and lean back away from an unseen brink. The last thing of earth that he saw in the gloaming was a condor soaring close to the westward precipice beside him, and darting, screaming away when it came near a cave whose mouth yawned, just out of reach. Uh, so, like, I 
am actually picking up the Dunsinian influence. Yes. Like, like I wasn't really picking it up beforehand. Um, and it feels like in, um, it was the one I read, not the, no, wait, it was the second story you read when you read a couple of his stories. Yeah, where he goes um, on the long journey. Yeah, yeah, like he captures the griffin to go go to basically the stars yeah, and yep. the city in the sky and everything. Yeah. This feels very much like he's pulling influence from stuff like yes, that. Yes, yeah. Except he's doing it way, way better. So much better. I feel like HP uh, definitely utilized more than one draft <laughs> of his stories. Yeah. I feel like one of the big problems with the uh, Dunsinian stories was that uh, he, they felt like first drafts. They didn't feel like they were edited at all, except maybe for like spelling. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, it definitely feels like it now. Now that he's on his extremely long journey. Ugh, the hair in my mouth. Good news, it's mine. Okay. <laughs> it's not somebody else's. I was, I was gonna be like, <laughs> It's just mine. Okay. It's just my own hair. <laughs> Suddenly, without a warning sound in the dark, Carter felt his curved scimitar drawn stealthily out of his belt by some unseen hand. Then he heard it clatter down over the rocks below. And between him and the Milky Way, he thought he saw a very terrible outline of something noxiously thin and horned and tailed and bat-winged. Other things, too, had begun to blot out patches of stars west of him, as if a flock of vague entities were flapping thickly and silently out of that inaccessible cave in the face of the precipice. Then a sort of cold, rubbery arm seized his neck, and something else seized his feet, and he was lifted inconsiderably up and swung about in space. Another minute and the stars were gone, and Carter knew that the night gaunts had got him. They got him! The night gaunts? When did these come up before? Wait, they talked about them before. Because remember, uh, Carter was like, I don't, like, I can't tell if they're real or not. Oh, I remember yeah, now. If the, if the lava gatherers are just um, trying to come up with an excuse for, like, why people keep disappearing. When in reality, like, this is a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, I forgot about the night yeah. dog there for a moment. Yep. It's the thing that probably killed a zebra. Oh, okay. So was it so was it a new It wasn't a Voonish a Voonith. No, he heard the it wasn't a he heard the Voonith a woo. He a woo from very far away. I went a woo Wendolph Cardo A woo A woo Wendolph Cardo. We don't like you. I heard I'm sure you're very tasty. A woo <laughs> They bore him breathless into that cliffside cavern and through monstrous labyrinths beyond. When he struggled, as at first he did by instinct, they tickled him with deliberation. I'm sorry, what? They're just like... (laughs) 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 It's like, stop it, I hate this! I fucking hate being tickled. (laughs) I do too. Okay, first, just, okay. Uh, Are you okay? No, okay. So my Bob, who I don't like as a person, I was gonna say um, this brings up some traumatic childhood memories. It almost does. This is what my Bob would do: is she would have she would get the like long acrylic nails, and she'll like because I'm like I'm I'm I was a sensitive boy, 
you know? Yeah. Um, and she would tickle me, and I just fucking hate it. Oh my because, god. Because like, it would hurt after a little while, but I was a little bitch and didn't know how to say stop Oh my it. gosh, my aunt used to do that too. Like, don't stop fucking touching people. They don't want to be touched. Please. Oh, fuck. For the love of God, <laughs> stop touching kids <laughs> when they don't want to be touched. Oh, tickling is also just, like, the worst. Yeah, it's just like, don't also never force me to laugh. Yeah, I I already have ADHD. I already get overstimulated very easily. I don't need that like tickling at all. Yeah. You wanna like Although that's actually I think the reason why I don't like Dexter laying on me is because he overstimulates. Uh, overstimulates me a little bit. Kinda like whenever I'm like aggressively petting him and he needs to leave. I think he's doing that to me, but on purpose now. Like like don't don't torture me with tickling. If you want to torture me, just use, like, an electric pencil sharpener. I fucking hate those things. Oh, styrofoam. The sound of styrofoam oh, makes me want to pee. Oh, like, I, I legitimately want to just throw up when I hear when I hear styrofoam rubbing against each oh, other. Oh, yep. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't like it. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I can't believe he got got by the night gods. <laughs> he got got by the night gods. These night gaunts just they got him. going around, blotting out the Milky Way. Tickling you? Yeah. <laughs> tickling you? I hate the thing. I forgot that we, they were tickling him with determination. <laughs> Deliberation. Deliberation. Wait. 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 How does that work? They tickled him with deliberation. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> What's H- Okay. We'll add that to the list of questions we have for HP when we travel back in time and bully him. And then put him in therapy. Okay. Also, what also, does tickling it, with deliberation mean, HP? What the fuck does it mean? I mean, Alyssa's is just like he seems to laugh more when we uh, when we touch this part of his body. Oh god, ugh, ugh. don't like it. Yeah. I don't. That has to be it. I don't like it. No. I don't like the night gaunts. I don't like them, Jesse. No. Also, they're probably probably also tickling probably means something different, some different context too. Oh yeah, that we just don't know. Like uh um. Oh, what's the word? Like, when you're tickled? When somebody tickles your fancy? Yeah. But no, but I'm pretty sure tickle your fancy is just like, oh, now, oh, just, to no, now I hate that term. Appeal to no. is what it is the other thing. It- oh, well, see, when I was thinking tickle your fancy, I was thinking of, like, what, like, creepy people do uh, to, like, other humans, where, like, they're just, like, they, they, like, tickle under the chin or something. First off, I know it's sexual whenever you do that. Second off, stop doing it in public. Yeah. But also, it's the thing that you do to cats, I think, whenever they have their chin up, you you know, you, 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 you scritch their chin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. And don't do that to a human unless you're about to fuck, <laughs> please. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very intimate uh, <laughs> encounter. Like, like, okay, so for some reason, like just like kissing a stranger is less is is less intimate than when someone touches like like your waist, like right above your yes. like, right above your head. Oh, definitely. Like I would rather make out with a random stranger than a random stranger touch that part of my oh, body. Oh yeah, same, same. It's too intimate. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And also making out, you should be able to platonically make out with your friends. Yeah, kissing like has like so many different um, implications. That, like, it, yeah, it doesn't feel nearly as intimate as in getting somebody's face and touching, like, their waist. Yeah, I don't know why. It's, yeah. it's just... Alright, well, 
Also, I will murder if you touch my shoulders. I hate when people touch my shoulders. Uh-huh. I hate when people touch my neck. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah. The only people who get to touch my neck are the people who are fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it. That's it. I draw the line. <laughs> the only time. Unless my dick is in you or your dick is in me. <laughs> exactly. Do not touch it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good rule. Uh, I like that. <laughs> God, God, I just hate it. Okay, okay we need to get let's to this. Let's do this. Just, yeah, let's talk. Oh, <laughs> it's just because they said tickled and it was terrible. Ugh, HP, fucking why? They made no sound at all themselves, and even their membranous wings were silent. They were frightfully cold and damp and slippery, and their paws needed one detestably. Soon they were plunging hideously downward through inconceivable abysses in a whirling, giddying, sickening rush of dank, tomb-like air. And Carter- (laughs) Inconceivable abysses is what they call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) Well, how convenient. My mom is also full of dank, tomb-like air. (laughs) Just kidding, I love my mother. (laughs) Uh, Just- (laughs) That would be quite an insult for somebody <laughs> to say about someone. Also, also there, was the, there was a plunging part. Oh, too. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> plunging hideously <laughs> into your mom. Fair. Well, it was like that one TikTok, the dude, uh, the dude who was like working out, being like, why are you working out? So I can look cool while I'm having sex. <laughs> yeah. What about being healthy? No, it's so I can look cool while I'm having sex. Having sex. <laughs> I love that. She's like, yeah, but also for the, the benefits for your heart, right? No, it's to look cool while having sex. <laughs> God. Oh, that's funny. I yeah, I like yeah, the, I like that one. Yeah, the only way the only way to uh not plunge hideously into someone is so, you know like you know work out a lot work out the way you don't slip and fall <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh. okay uh and carter felt that they were shooting into the ultimate vortex of shrieking and demonic madness he screamed again and again but whenever he did so, the black paws tickled him with greater subtlety. They are just physically tickling him. I hate these night gods. What the fuck, HP? <laughs> like, I know that this is, like, that you write horror <laughs> stories, but... <laughs> this is the scariest thing he's wrote this so far. This is terrible! <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> oh, <sighs> Then he saw a sort of gray phosphorescence about and guessed that they were coming even to that inner world of subterranean horror of which dim legends tell and which is litten only by the pale deathfire wherewith reeks the ghoulish air and the primal mists of the pits at Earth's core. At last, far below him, he saw the faint lines of gray and ominous pinnacles, which he knew must be the fabled peaks of Thok. Awful and sinister, they stand in the haunted dusk of sunless and eternal depths, higher than man may reckon, guarding terrible valleys, where the beholds crawl and burrow nastily, 
I almost said wait, B-holes. Wait, wait. Uh, I know it's the whole D-holes, but like... Or B-holes. Yeah. B-holes. But B-holes still- sounds really funny. No, it's the same. It, I mean, it's it's about the same. Yeah. Be the bee holes, you know. The, or the bee holes, they crawl and burrow <coughs> nastily. <laughs> oh boy, this is quite an adventure, uh, Randall Carter. Quite an adventure. You're going places. You're going into depths <laughs> from which we cannot return. <laughs> also being tickled the entire way, which would be that sounds fucking awful. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised Ugh. if in Gitmo they tickled the terrorists. I and after this had stopped, they continued. <laughs> I, I would think they would. <clears throat> and guarding terrible valleys where the beholes crawl and burrow nastily. But Carter preferred to look at them than at his captors, which were indeed shocking and uncouth black beings with smooth, oily, whale-like surfaces, unpleasant horns that curved inward towards, inward towards each other, fat wings whose beating made no sound, ugly prehensile paws, and barbed tails that lashed needlessly and disquietingly. And worst of all, they never spoke or laughed. They never smiled because they had no faces at all to smile with, but only suggestive blankness where the face ought to be. All they ever did was clutch and fly and tickle, that was the way of the night thoughts. That's fucking with that blank face. That's fucking. They they. Oh, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> no, that's terrifying. But also, the suggestive just like somehow it winks at me. <laughs> oh no! Well, it's tickling you. No, <laughs> just, do not, do not, <laughs> never. It, it was just just like it was just flying up the air, just like looked at me. And it winked, but like there's nothing on the face. I just don't know what was going on. I feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) You guys just like drop me like the several stories. Like I'll just die. It's okay. (laughs) I would rather I would rather be dead right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I guess. Oh, oh no. I get. I guess you'd rather just tickle me. I'd rather the bee holes tear me apart. Then I have to deal with this any longer. <sighs> it's very hard, by the way, to not see say peaks of thought. <laughs> oh, I think I've seen some thought peaks. Oh, uh, definitely, I've definitely seen some thought peaks and looked respectfully. Oh, I looked very disrespectful. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just... <laughs> I have no respect, not at all. I I drank my disrespect thought juice that day. It was just like, oh. <laughs> It's delicious. I got it out of a vending machine. <laughs> I'm joking. I do. I do very much respect thought because you know what? They have optimism about themselves. Yeah, you know what? I respect that kind of that kind of energy. Yeah. As the band flew over the peaks of Thok, rose gray and towering on all sides, and one saw clearly that nothing lived in that austere and impassive granite of the endless twilight. At still lower levels, the death fires in the air gave out, and one met only the primal blackness of the void, save aloft where the thin peak stood out goblin-like. What's what's the difference between a death flame and just a regular flame? Yeah, uh, the death flame is like black and it's super cool. Oh, oh no, no, I know what it is. The death flame has salt in it, so it doesn't make the ground better. Oh shit! 
Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's. <laughs> Damn. That is death flame. Like... That would really fuck it up. Like, oh, death flame season. What? <laughs> yeah. It just, it just every time it happens, we have to move to a completely different area. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> It really does. I mean, it looks cool, but it sucks. <laughs> Why did we move to Death Flame Alley? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say there's a high chance of five months of the year just Death Flames popping up out of nowhere? What do you mean <laughs> when I moved to Death Flame Alley? I expected peace and quiet. <laughs> I, uh, like, I have a death flame proof house. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Any anytime someone tells me to leave my home, I just like no. I'll, I'll take the death flame myself. Live <laughs> <laughs> in a death flame proof house. It is filled with asbestos. <laughs> I will survive the death flames, but I'll die in twenty years of cancer. Uh, what I'm what I'm imagining. Obviously, I'm I'm talking about Tornado Alley, but it's real fun when someone says I have a tornado-proof house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it, nah, uh, nah, that ain't, that ain't how that works. Nope. I just <laughs> you can kind of have an earthquake-proof uh, house, like that is possible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But like, but but no, you can't. No, no. tornadoes. No. I just love if. if 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 you could have blades of grass go through, like singular blades of grass shoot through like walls, no, no, no you ain't. Doing I'm pretty that. sure you're fucked. Yeah, I just love the idea of somebody moving to a place called Death Flame Alley and being like, "What are all these <laughs> death flames doing here?" <laughs> and one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I only want to be in landlocked areas that don't have a lot of tornadoes is because I'm just like. Well, the worst that will happen is it's humid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, where I live, uh, we occasionally get an earthquake, and it's never very bad. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Tornadoes pop up here and there, but not that, never where I lived. I never had one close to me. We get dust devils, and that's as bad as it gets. I think eastern Montana occasionally gets tornadoes, but never nearly as bad as in Tornado Alley. And it's also so wet. Just year round, like we don't have a fire season. Uh, that we still do control burns and stuff, but we don't have a fire season. That at would all. be nice. Uh, yeah, we got some super fun fires going on here. <sighs> yeah. So there's like zero air quality. That's okay. I don't go outside anyways. Yeah. Also, Delta variant is like just I'm just like dead. I'm just in the dead center of a hot spot. Oh, so I guess yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> Although, if it gets bad enough, I might get to work from home for another there you go. several months. There you yeah, go. you know, you know, all those unvaccinated people dying because they're fed misinformation. Yeah, they can make me more comfortable. Uh, Woo! <sighs> uh. Okay, let's get back into this. Uh, okay. Soon the peaks were very far away and nothing but great rushing winds with the thankness of nethermost grottos in them. Then, in the end, the night gaunts landed on a floor of unseen things, which felt like layers of bones, and left Carter all alone in that black alley. To bring him thither was the duty of the night gaunts that guard Nagarek, 
And this done, they flacked away silently. When Carter tried to trace their flight, he found he could not, since even the peaks of Thok had faded out of sight. There was nothing anywhere but blackness and horror and silence and bones. Now Carter knew from a certain source that he was in the Vale of Panak. There, where crawl and burrow the enormous beholes. But he did not know what to expect, because no one has ever seen a behole or even guessed what such a thing may be like. Beholes are known only by dim rumor, from the rustling they make amongst mountains of bones, and the slimy touch they have when they wriggle past one. They cannot be seen because they creep only in the dark. Carter did not wish to meet a behole, so listened intently for any sound in the unknown depths of bones about him. Even in this fearsome place, he had a plan and an objective, for whispers of Panath and its approaches were not unknown to one with whom he had talked much in the old ways. In brief- Uh, but Carter did not want to beat the a-hole. He had plans. <laughs> he would go around the quad, because he hears a- because he- cause he hears a guitar playing right now, no! and he- <laughs> Now we don't want to listen to Wonderwall! I don't- I don't want to talk to a hole. <laughs> I know you can play free bird. That doesn't mean I want to hear it. Um, in brief, it seemed fairly likely that this was the spot into which all the ghouls of the waking world cast the refuse of their feastings. And that if he but had good luck, he might stumble upon that mighty crag, taller even than Thox Peaks which marks the edge of their domain. Showers of bones would tell him where to look, and once found, he could call to a ghoul and let down a ladder. For strange to say, he had very singular link with these terrible creatures. A man he- Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, shit! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's from, from the first one. From the first Red Off Carter story. Oh, no, sorry, I- Yes, that. But also, uh, the next part is <coughs> pertaining to a certain story that we've read recently. A, a man he had known in Boston, a painter of strange pictures with a secret studio in an ancient and unhallowed alley near a graveyard, had actually made friends with the ghouls and had taught him to understand the simpler parts of their disgusting meeping and glibbering. This man had vanished at last, and Carter was not sure but that he might find him now, and use for the first time in the dreamlands, that faraway English of his dim waking life. In any case, he felt that he could persuade a ghoul to guide him out of Panath, and it would be better to meet a ghoul, which one can see, than a behole, which one cannot see. We're talking oh, about man, Pikmin! Pikmin? Pikmin! And I did say, I don't think I said this during the recording of that one, but I thought he was, I thought he was, it, it was goals the entire time. Because it was goals. basically just like. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I like how it straight up cool. says that he made friends with them. Yeah. Really, if you think about it, he's just, he just befriends people who don't look like other people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I guess, like, I, I like to imagine that he meets a ghoul. It, like, tries to attack him. He has it sit down. The ghoul's like, the fuck? He spends, like, a half an hour painting it. He shows it the portrait, and it's like, oh, that's See, for me! What, for, some, for whatever reason, every time I think about uh, one of his paintings, I think of one goal and, like, a little, like, 
like dog collar with a like a little tag and like yeah. it's in front of like a <laughs> like like it's just like in front of like a dog house. Yeah. And everything. It's just like Yeah. One of them has a bow. Oh my gosh, yes. Bandana. You know, it's you know, it's all uh <clears throat> I just I just think, um I forgot what his name. It was a weird name. Last name. Not Elliot. The 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 person who was speaking in that Oh, One. um, fuck, I don't remember. The narrator. It was like Thor, Thor something. Thor, I Thur- think there was like a TR. Thurman or something like that. Thurman. Uh, yeah, something like that. I like to think that he just was just like, wow, this is too spooky. And it's like a picture of like, of like a snake or something. Oh, you know, it's like when someone, it's like when someone freaks out when they see like a, like a possum. Yeah. They're like, no, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Hold up. Look at these things. This reminds me of... <laughs> <clears throat> this reminds me of, um... Uh, there's a painting of a little girl, and she's... <laughs> she's holding... Like, it's just a painting of this little girl. She's holding this, like, demon-looking thing. It looks pissed. But she's holding it like you hold, like, a really angry cat. <laughs> it has... Yeah, like... I f- it has a little, like... And it has a little flower on its head. Aww. Here, I'll send it to you. It's very good. Aww. Like, I feel like if, if like, if cryptids were real, like, I would probably end up trying to befriend one of them. Omar Ryan is, or Rayan, R-A-Y-Y-A-N, did the painting. It's very good. But it, it's what I thought of while we were reading Pikmin's uh, model. I posted it in the Facebook chat. If you want to take a look at it. Yeah, that's just an angry cat. <laughs> Doesn't it? I like the little... I like how its flower matches her flower. Yeah, that's just an angry cat. Like, that. that's it. It's a really like, bad kitty cat that just looks like Mo when I pick him up sometimes. He just... he just, It's just angie. Angie. Real angie. Ooh, you can get a print of it. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I thought Ooh. the whole time. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, Omar Ryan, Rayab is who painted it if you want to go look at the painting and then buy a print because you should support artists yeah all right yeah this is why i think like if if someone from the 1800s saw that they would be real freaked be out like, and like we're fuck? just like oh yeah and we're like yeah that's just an angry cat basically yeah this is a cat yeah, it's like whatever <laughs> it's like when you pet the wild raccoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly Exactly. Uh. <laughs> it's like when you get too close to an opossum. Yeah. And it screams at you. And you're like, oh, I'm too sweet. You can't get babies. I love you. Oh, I, okay. I'm sorry. It's, I'm, I'm now thinking about it. But do you know about uh, Patty Harrison? Like the comedian? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to find it, but I... Uh, let me. I'm just I'm gonna send it to you real quick. Give me one moment. I have to find it. Uh, history. Let me go through my history. <clears throat> um, but I'm thinking. I'm just thinking about this joke song she wrote, and it's it's just really good. Oh, you posted in a. I I, I on the chat okay. on one the sec. Meet. <clears throat> oh God, where is it? There it is. I'm wondering if maybe <coughs> I've seen this before. It's like really good. <laughs> God, I, it's just real good. 
I just I just really like the whole concept of a song about just meeting someone and said, I would kill myself for you. Also, would you kill yourself for me? So Carter walked in the dark and ran when he thought he heard something among the bones underfoot. Once he bumped into a stony slope and knew it must be the base of one of Thok's peaks. Then at last he heard a monstrous rattling and clatter which reached far up in the air and became sure he had come nigh the crag of the ghouls. He was not sure he could be heard from this valley miles below, but realized that the inner world has strange laws. As he pondered, he was struck by a flying bone so heavy that it must have been a skull. And therefore, realizing his nearness to the fateful crag, he sent up as best he might that meeping cry, which was the call of the ghouls. Beep, beep, beep. Ah! Beep, 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 beep. Ah! <laughs> It's that sound that your cat makes when you wake it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just ran off Carter doing that in a dark cave. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the. That's what those ghouls sound like. <laughs> well, good thing he knows how to speak the language of cats. <laughs> that is true. He does know how to speak cat. <sighs> Sound traveled slowly, so that it was some time before he heard an answering glibber. But it came at last, and before long he was told that a rope ladder would be lowered. The wait for this was very tense, since there was no telling what might not have been stirred up among those bones by his shouting. Indeed, it was not long before he actually did hear a vague rustling afar off. As this thoughtfully approached, he became more and more uncomfortable for he did not wish to move away from the spot where the ladder would come. Finally, the tension grew almost unbearable, and he was about to flee in panic, when the thud of something on the newly heaped bones nearby drew his notice from the other sound. It was the ladder, and after a minute of groping, he had it taut in his hands. But the other sound did not cease and followed him even as he climbed. He had gone fully five feet, from the ground when the rattling beneath waxed emphatic. And I mean, I mean, it normally doesn't take me five minutes to grope or something goes talk, <laughs> but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a penis. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking. Not a, lot, a penis. <laughs> Just imagine Randall Carter grabbing something and they're like, eh, it's a dick. He's like, ew, please. I just want to leave. Uh, it was a good five. Oh, it was a good ten feet up when something swayed the ladder from below. At a height which much have been 15 or 20 feet, he felt the whole side brush by a great slippery length, which grew alternative. Uh, alternately convex and concave with wriggling, and thereafter he climbed desperately to escape the unendurable nuzzling of that loathsome and overfed behold whose form no man sees. Brushed by by a great slippery length. Uh, yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wiggles on by ya. <laughs> loathsome and overfed. 
For hours he climbed with aching arms and blistered hands, seeing again the grave death fire and thocks and comfortable pinnacles. At last he discerned above him the projecting edge of the great crag of the ghouls, whose vertical side he could not glimpse. And hours later he saw a curious face peering over it as a uh, peering over it as a gargoyle peers over a parapet of Notre Dame. This almost made him lose his hold through faintness, but a moment later he was himself again, for his vanished friend, Richard Pickman, had once introduced him to a ghoul, and he knew well their canine faces and slumped forms and unmentionable <clears throat> idiosyncrasies. So he had himself well under control when that hideous thing pulled him out of the dizzy emptiness over the edge of the crag and did not scream at the partly consumed refuse heaped at one side or at the squatting circles of ghouls who nod and watch curiously. So Pikmin, Pikmin was just straight up just like, hey, I want you to meet my friend. Now, I need to let you know. Uh, it's not what you think. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> I like, it sounds like he, he like interrupted their dinner. Like, they're all sitting around, a, like, in a circle, like, eating. Like, he just interrupted their dinner. Rude. <laughs> yeah, a little rude. <laughs> he now, on a dim litten plain, whose sole topographical feature were great boulders in the entrances of burrows. The ghouls were in general respectful. Even if one did attempt to pinch him, while several others eyed his leanness speculatively. Through patient glibbering, he made inquiries regarding his vanished friend and found he had become a ghoul of some prominence in abysses near the waking world. A greenish elderly ghoul offered to conduct him to Pikmin's present habitation. So, despite a natural loathing, he followed the creature into a capacious burrow and crawled after him for hours in the blackness of rank mold. They emerged on a dim plain strewn with singular relics of earth, old gravestones, broken urns, and grotesque fragments of monuments. And Carter realized with some emotion he was probably nearer the waking world than at any other time since he had gone down several hundred steps from the cavern of flame to the gate of deeper slumber. There So Oh wait, like were they just like, yo, wanna see your friend? Yeah. There he's like, yo, what happened to Pikmin? He disappeared. They're like, well he's a ghoul now. Do you want to go see him? Like he's just hanging out. <laughs> Oh, forget! Humans turn into ghouls! <laughs> yeah, so... I yeah, that. he literally was just like, Hey, uh, I knew this guy Pikmin, he was friends with you guys. Like, what happened? They're like, yeah, he's one of us now. You wanna go see him? <laughs> <laughs> These ghouls are actually really cool. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, I think... Yeah, these ghouls are, like... They are cool. Like, <laughs> they're pretty chill. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, we know that guy. You wanna go see him? Let's go! <laughs> No, but uh, what? Uh, but what it was just said there, though the um, like you must be close to the waking world. Like there must have been like a like a like a nice little soft area between the waking world and the dreamland. Yeah, lands. there must um, be a place in Boston then, which is probably where Pikmin ended up going through. Yeah, probably in that well somewhere. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't think about that. I forgot about the well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He probably like when when the when the jig was up, he probably uh he probably went down the well. He's like, oh shit, I guess my fun, happy portrait time is over. I guess I'll just fucking leave. But like also, 
I mean, that's cool. First off, cool. I'm I'm so glad that that's, you know, a thing. But also, like, why did you stay? Why did he stay in the working world? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he wanted to be cool. Maybe he's finally living his best life. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that could be. That could be part of it. Maybe he always um, wanted to be a ghoul, and now he there he is, a ghoul. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> I mean, that could be part of it. I just feel like you're, you know, you're cutting yourself off of a lot of people that used to really admire you. They've <laughs> <clears throat> always got his art. Yeah. Um, I forgot else what I was going to say. So let's just go. Okay. There, on the tombstone of 1768 stolen from the granary burying ground in Boston, sat the ghoul, which was once artist Richard Upton Pickman. It was naked and rubbery and, and acquired so much of the ghoulish physiognomy that its human origin was already obscure, but it still remembered a little English, and was able to converse with Carter in grunts and monosyllables, helped out now and then by the gibbering of the ghouls. When it learned that Carter wished to get to the Enchanted Wood, and there to the city Celephars and Uthnargai beyond the Ternarian Hills, it seemed rather doubtful, for these ghouls of the waking world do no business in the graveyards of Upper Dreamlands, leaving that to the web-footed womps that are spawned in dead cities. And many- th- Ooh, womps? Womps. Womps? Ooh. Ooh, there's a. There must be the opposite of wamps, <laughs> who are wamps. like wonderful. Wamps are awesome. They, they're, they're just cute little, cute, cute little uh, raccoon-looking things that salt things with the salt shaker ch- tail. So deers have like you know nice some salted, you know, lick up. Oh shit! Pretty cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyways, there's another fun thing coming up. And many things intervene. Be- and many things intervene betwixt their gulf. In the enchanted wood, including the terrible kingdom of the Gugs. Ooh, Gugs! Gugs! Gugs sounds so cool. I love Gugs. Gugs. Oh, there's a description. Okay. The Gugs, hairy and gigantic, once reared stone circles in that wood and made strange sacrifices to the other gods and the crawling chaos near Olathotep, until one night an abomination of theirs reached the ears of Earth's gods and they were banished to the caverns below. Only a great trapdoor of stone with an iron ring connects the abyss of the earth ghouls with the enchanted wood, and this the Gugs are afraid to open because of a curse. That a mortal dreamer could traverse their cavern realm and leave by that door is inconceivable, for mortal dreamers were their former food, and they have legends of the toothsomeness of such dreamers, even though banishment has restricted their diet to the gas, those repulsive beings which die in the light and which live in the vaults of Zin and leap on long hind legs like kangaroos. Oh, that's what that stone slab is that the Zoogs didn't want to go near. Oh. That's what that is. Because remember they were talking about, yeah, there's, there's a big stone slab on the way there with a ring. Don't go near it. It's spooky. And okay. he's like, okay, cool. I, I won't. Done. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm very- also. He used Chekhov's also, gun. Oh my god, HP, you've oh, done it. <laughs> I I would like to have like just a one little side tangent here because uh-huh. you know the ring thing, you know fairy rings and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, so Fiona pointed out to me that plastic is made out of oil, which is made out of like dead animals basically and plants. Yep. So if you think about it, fairies 
would have a great time in today's society. Oh yeah, since we have so much so much less like iron and stuff around. Yep. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good <sighs> point. <laughs> yeah, be like, oh, I'm gonna stab you with this fork. It's man-made and it's made of plastic. And you're gonna be like, haha, you just stabbed me with the body of dead animals. It only makes me stronger. Nom 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 nom. Oh shit! And then it makes you eat like one of their foods, and you're trapped in the Feylands forever. Thank God, my dad recycles a lot. We always have several pounds of steel around. <laughs> just, just a lot. Just, just a lot. Listen, he's doing his part to make sure the Earth doesn't die. <laughs> also, he hates the Fey. Oh yeah. Also, fuck the Fey. <laughs> Oh boy! By the way, I learned so uh, two out of every three aluminum cans are recycled, and every aluminum can you use is at least fifty percent recycled material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, too bad a lot of places don't have proper uh, recycling centers for them. We we only have certain plastics and aluminum and paper, of course. Paper is easy to recycle. Yeah, uh, we don't. No, we do have a place that does glass now. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm glad you have a place that does glass well, because we also have some breweries in town that like they'll take certain bottles uh and they'll recycle them and use them for bottling. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um the gugs. That's right, we we're talking about gugs. <laughs> Apparently hairy and gigantic. Man, the gugs, that's just a good name. Gug. Oof, gug. Okay. So the ghoul that was Pikmin advised Carter to either advise Carter either to leave the abyss at Sarkamond. Okay. So the ghoul that was Pikmin advised Carter. I almost said Cartman. God damn it. So the ghoul that was Pikmin advised Carter to either leave the abyss at Sarkamond or at Sarkamond, that deserted city in the valley below Lang, where black nitrous stairways guarded by winged diorite lions lead down from dreamland to the lower gulfs, or to return through a churchyard to the waking world and begin the quest anew down the 70 steps of light slumber to the cavern of flame and the 700 steps to the gate of deeper slumber and the enchanted wood. This, however, did not suit the seeker, for he knew nothing of the way from Lang to Unargai, to Uthnargai, and was likewise reluctant to wake, lest he forget all he had so far gained in this dream. It were disastrous to his quest to forget the august and the celestial faces of those seamen from the north who traded onyx in Selefars, and who, being the sons of gods, must point the way to that cold waste at Kadoth, where the great ones dwell. After much persuasion, the ghoul consented to guide his guest inside the great wall of the Gug's kingdom. There was one chance that Carter might be able to steal through that twilight realm of circular stone towers in an hour when the giants in an hour when the giants would be all gorged and snoring indoors, and reach the central tower with the sign of Koth upon it, which has the stairs leading to that stone trapdoor in the enchanted wood. Hickman even consented to lend three ghouls to help with a tombstone lever in raising the stone door. Four of the ghouls, the gugs, are somewhat afraid, and they often flee from their own colossal graveyards when they see feasting there. 
He also advised Carter to disguise as a ghoul himself, shaving the beard he allowed to grow, for ghouls have none, and wallowing naked in the mold to get the correct surface, and loping in the usual slumping way, with his clothing carried in a bundle as if it were a choice morsel from the tomb. They would reach the city of the Gugs, which Carter Minith Coder, I have to look this up. God damn it! <clears throat> Hi, Mister. I feel, I feel like uh, this was just an excuse for Hickman uh, to see that 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 Randolph Carter dude. <laughs> Get naked. Just do it. Uh, where is it? E-O-E. It seems it's it means having the same boundaries or extent in space, time, or meaning. What? Wait. Same. Okay. I don't think I understand what that definition actually means, but... Coterminous. Coterminous. Okay, got it. Which is coterminous in the whole kingdom. Through the proper burrows, emerging in a cemetery not far from the stair-containing Tower of Koth. They must beware, however, of a large cave near the cemetery. For this is the mouth of the vaults of Zin, and the vindicative and the vindictive gas are always on watch there murderously for those denizens of the upper abyss who hunt and prey on them. The gas try to come out when the gugs sleep, and they attack ghouls as readily as gugs, for they cannot discriminate. They are very primitive, and eat one another. The gugs have a sentry at a narrow place in the vaults of Zin, but he is often drowsy and is sometimes surprised by a party of gas. Though gas cannot live in real light, they can endure the gray twilight of the abyss for hours. I like how they're like, yeah, there's like a guard, but he's a real sleepy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Be like, uh, yeah. I mean, you could kind of just like, just don't make a lot of noise. You're fine. He just wants to take a nap, okay? Just a nap. All the time. Every <clears throat> day, all day. Me too, buddy. So at length, Carter crawled through the endless burrows with three helpful ghouls bearing the slate gravestone of Colonel... Nehemiah Derby, obituary 1719, from the Charter Street burying ground in Salem. When they came again into open twilight, they were in the forest of vast lichen monoliths, reaching nearly as high as the eye could see, informing the modest gravestones of the Gugs. On the right of the hole out of which they wriggled and seen through aisles of monoliths was a stupendous vista of cyclopean round towers, mounting up illimitable into the gray air of inner earth. This was the great city of the Gugs, whose doorways are thirty feet high. Ghouls come here often, for buried Gugs will feed a community for almost a year, and even with the added peril, it is better to burrow for Gugs than to bother with the graves of men. Carter now understood the occasional tightened bones he had felt beneath him in the Vale of Panath. Straight ahead and just outside the cemetery, rose a sheer perpendicular cliff, at whose base was an immense and forbidding cavern yawn. This the ghouls told Carter to avoid as much as possible, since it was the entrance to the unhallowed vaults of Zin, where gugs hunt gas in the darkness. And truly, that warning was soon well justified, for the moment the ghoul had began to creep toward the tower to see if the hour of the gugs resting had been rightly timed, there glowed in the gloom of the great cavern's mouth, first, one pair of yellowish-red eyes, then another, implying that the gugs were one century less, and the gas have indeed an excellent sharpness of smell. 
So the ghouls returned to the burrow and motioned for his companion to be silent. It was best to leave the guests to their own devices, and there was a possibility that they might soon withdraw, since they must naturally be rather tired after coping with a gug sentry in the black vaults. After a moment, something about the size of a small horse popped out into the gray twilight, and Carter turned sick at the aspect of that scabrous and unwholesome beast, whose face is so curiously human, despite the absence of a nose, a forehead, and other important particulars. I've heard of five head, but this gas got a one head. (laughs) 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 That's actually, like, really funny. Like, your head just stops at your eyes. (laughs) That's it. That's all your head is. Presently, three other ghasts hopped out to join their fellow, and a ghoul, blibbering softly at Carter, that their absence of battle scars was a bad sign. It proved that they had not fu- it proved that they had not fought the Gug sentry at all, but merely slipped past him as he slipped, so that their strength and savagery were still unimpaired, and would remain so till they had found and disposed of a victim. It was very unpleasant to see those filthy, disproportioned animals and soon numbered about fifteen, rubbing about and making their kangaroo leaps in the gray twilight where titan towers and monoliths arose. But it was still more unpleasant when they spoke among themselves in the coughing gutturals of gas. And yet, horrible as they were, they were not so horrible as what presently came out of the cave after them with disconcerting suddenness. It was a paw, fully two feet and a half across and equipped with formidable talons. After it came, another paw, and after that, a great black-furred arm, to which both of the paws were attached by short forearms. Then two pink eyes shone, and the head of the awakened Gug sentry, large as a barrel, wobbled into view. The eyes jutted two inches from each side, shaded by bony protuberances overgrown with coarse hairs. But the head was chiefly terrible because of the mouth. That that mouth had a great yellow fang that ran from the top to the bottom of the head, opening vertically instead of horizontally. Oh, it has a vagina mouth. <laughs> nice. That, that fang, it's like, uh, it's what happens when, when you're doing good down there. <laughs> I would think it would be if you're doing bad, like in teeth. Well, no, 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 the fang. No, no, it's the, it's the, the chorus. Oh, I see. Coming out. Oh, yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. It's going to say is it, it's coming out to meet is you. Is it like in teeth? Whenever, uh, yeah. Whenever she, I guess. Yeah, so. whenever she's uncomfortable, they, they pop out. Not, ugh. ugh. All right. But before the unfortunate Gug could emerge from the cave and rise to its full 20 feet, the vindictive gas were upon him. Carter feared for a moment that he would give an alarm and arouse all his kin, till a ghoul softly glibbered that the gugs have no voice, but talk by means of facial expression. The battle which then ensued was truly frightful one. From all sides, the venomous gas rushed feverishly at the creeping gug, nipping and tearing with their muzzles and mauling murderously with their hard-pointed hooves. All the time, they coughed excitedly, screaming when great vertical mouths of the gug would bite into one of their number, so that the noise of the combat would surely have aroused the sleeping city had not the weakening of the sentry begun to transfer the action farther and farther 
within the cavern as it was. The tumult soon receded altogether from the sight in the blackness, and with only occasional evil echoes to mark its continuance. Then the most alert of the ghouls gave the signal for all to advance, and Carter followed the loping three out of the forest of Monolis and into the dark, noisome streets of that awful city whose rounded towers of cyclopean stone soared up beyond the sight. Silently, they shambled over that rough rock pavement, hearing with disgust the abominable muffled snorings from great black doorways, which marked the slumber of the gugs. Apprehensive of the ending of the rest hour, the ghouls set a somewhat rapid pace, but even so, the journey was no brief one, for distances in that town of giants were on great scale. At last, however, they came to a somewhat open space, before a tower even vaster than the rest. Above those colossal doorway was fixed a monstrous symbol in boss relief, which made one shudder without knowing its meaning. This was the central tower, the sign of Koth, and those huge stone steps just visible through the dusk within were the beginning of the great flight leading to the upper dreamland and the enchanted wood. There now began a climb of interminable length in utter blackness, made almost impossible by the monstrous size of the steps, which were fashioned for gugs and were therefore nearly a yard high. Of their number, Carter could form no just estimate, for he soon became so worn that tireless and elastic ghouls were forced to aid him. Although all through the endless climb, there lurked the peril of detection and pursuit. For though no gug dares lift the stone door to the forest because of the Great One's curse, there are no such restraints concerning the tower and the steps, and escaped gas are often chased even to the very top. So sharp are the ears of gugs that the bare feet and hands of the climbers might readily be heard when the city awoke. And it would, of course, take but little time for the striding giants accustomed from their ghast hunts in the vaults of Zin to seeing without light to overtake their smaller and slower quarry on those cyclopean steps. It was very depressing to reflect that the silent pursuing gugs would not be heard at all, but would come very suddenly and shockingly in the dark upon the climbers. Nor could the traditional fear of gugs for ghouls be depended upon in that part in that peculiar space where the advantages lay so heavily with the gugs. There were also there was also peril from the furtive and venomous gas, which frequently hopped up into the tower during the sleep hour of gugs. If the gug the the the, the gas uh, the gas were looking very uh, submissive and breedable. Oh my god, no <laughs> Jesse, no, why did you have to say that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's so gross. Submissive, fine, so breedable. No, you're looking very, you're looking very dominant, sterile. <laughs> Not one baby could pop out of that body. <laughs> Not a single so, one. Though <laughs> those fields are barren. <laughs> <laughs> if the gugs slept long, the gas returned soon from their deed in the cavern. The scent of the climbers might easily be picked up by those loathsome and ill-disposed things. In which case, it would almost be better to be eaten by a gug. 
Then, after aeons of climbing, there came a cough from the darkness above, and matters assumed a very grave and unexpected turn. It was clear that a gas, or perhaps even more, had strayed into that tower before coming of Carter, before the coming of Carter and his guides. And it was equally clear that this peril was very close. After a, breath- after a breathless second, the leading ghoul pushed Carter to the wall and arranged his two kinsfolk in the best possible way that the old slate tombstone raised for a crushing blow whenever the enemy might come in sight. Ghouls can see in the dark, so the party was not as badly off as Carter would have been alone. In another moment, the clatter of hooves revealed the downward hopping of at least one beast, and the slab-bearing ghouls poised their weapon for a desperate blow. Presently, two yellowish-red eyes flashed into view, and the panting of the ghast became audible above its clattering. As it hopped down to the step just above the ghouls, they wielded the ancient gravestone with prodigious force, so that there was only a wheeze and a choking before the victim collapsed in noxious heat. There seemed to be only this one animal, and after a moment of listening, the ghouls tapped Carter as a signal to proceed again. As before, they were obliged to aid him, and he was glad to leave that place of carnage, for the gas's uncouth remains sprawled invisible in the blackness. At last, the ghouls brought their companion to a halt, and feeling above him, Carter realized, and Carter realized that the great stone trapdoor was reached at last. To open so vast a thing completely was not to be thought of, but the ghouls hoped it would get up just enough to slip the gravestone under as a prop and permit Carter to escape through the crack. They themselves planned to descend again and return through the city of the Gugs, since their elusiveness was great, and they did not know the way overland to Spectral's Sar Command, with its lion-guarded gate to the abyss. Mighty was the straining of those three ghouls at the stone of the door above them, and Carter helped push with as much strength as he had. They judged the edge next to the top of the staircase might be the right one, and to this they bent all the force of their disreputably nourished muscles. After a few moments, a crack of light appeared, and Carter, to whom that task had been entrusted, slipped the end of the old gravestone in the aperture. There now ensued a mighty heaving, but progress was very slow, and they had, of course, to return to their first position every time they failed to turn the slab and prop the portal open. Suddenly, their desperation was magnified by a thousandfold, by a sound on the steps below. It was only the thumping and rattling of the slain gas hooves' body as it rolled down to lower levels. But of all the possible causes of that body's dislodgement and rolling, none was in the least reassuring. Therefore, knowing the ways of Gugs and the ghouls set with something of a frenzy, and in surprisingly short time, had the door so high that they were able to hold it still, whilst Carter turned the slab and left a generous opening. They now helped Carter through, letting him climb up to their rubbery shoulders, and later guiding his feet as he clutched at the blessed soil of the upper dreamland outside. Another second, and they were through themselves, knocking away the gravestone and closing the great trap door, while panting became audible beneath. Because of the Great One's curse, no gug might ever emerge from that portal. So, with a deep relief and sense of repose, Carter lay quietly in the thick, grotesque fungi of the enchanted wood.
while his guides squatted nearer in the manner that ghouls rest. Hmm. And that's where where we will stop today. Well, that is a good place to start. They're resting. Yeah, they're taking a nap. Yeah, in some real real weird fungus. (laughs) Just taking a nap on some mushrooms. Sounds lovely. Yeah, Yeah, it does sound wonderful. Um, yeah. This is this is a good story. This is good. I like I love the ghouls now. I like them before because they kind of just look like spooky dogs, but I really like yeah, them. Yeah, but now they're smart spooky dogs. They're smart spooky dogs that you can be friends with. Yeah, you just have to not run away and say that they're that they're monsters. I just really love anything that you can make friends with. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the- I just like <laughs> just like making friends, which is a uh, you know. Yeah. The cats of Ulthar, the Zooks, the ghouls now. I love them all. Yeah. The Vunith, maybe. The Vunith, I don't know. We don't, yeah, we don't know. We just know it's a big amphibian. And that's it. That's all we know yeah. about it. <sighs> well, one of these days, one of these days we're going to, the Vunith is going to be like, oh. Wendell Cardo. Come closer to the water. Nothing bad <laughs> will happen. I definitely will not eat you. <laughs> I just love how crunchy uh, your bones are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it—it's like you—you you are ch- like the sections. Like it does seem like this should have been put into sections. I wish it happened. Like, well, well, to be fair, like it did say that this was basically like practice, was, yeah, which is practice. holy fuck, Lovecraft, <sighs> really. Really? This was practice? This, was pra- this is 70 pages. He wrote it in like six months. Uh, he must have been really into it if he could write something this long in six months. And it like, it doesn't feel like it's a first draft. It's well put together. Yeah, there's and everything's pretty consistent. He's doing really good callbacks to uh, uh, really good callbacks to previous stories. Yeah, I'm so glad the Pikmin's model showed up. Me too. I really like Pikmin's model. I think more people should talk about Pikmin's, it's Pikmin's model. It's a really good fucking story. <laughs> Again, it always yeah, makes like, me think of that painting with the little girl holding her pet demon. Yeah. That looks like an angry cat. Yeah, it's just it's just an angry cat. You can It's just a, it's literally it's an angry cat with a flower on its head. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, um I guess I think that's it for now. Uh what do you want to plug, Jesse? Oh, I want to plug into Riverdale, where yes. uh, me and my friend Daniel talk about Riverdale, the, the show, uh, episode by episode. Um, we also do, we, we, yeah, that's it. We don't really do much more than that. <laughs> yeah, Riverdale <laughs> is enough. <laughs> yeah. Covering that show uh, is enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, besides that, though, for the most part, like, you know, that's you can find me places. I have them in the description. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and you, if yeah. you like spooky stories, you should go check out my YouTube channel called Make Spooky Sweaters, uh, where I read spooky stories and poems and novellas and all sorts of fun stuff, creepypastas. Uh, so yeah, if you like HP Lovecraft stories, you should go check that out. Uh, it's just youtube.com slash sweaters. All right. Well. This has been Elver Innsmith, and remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your Keating static hell is like no other, 
and if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable, and the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Okay, bye! Bye!